Thanks for tuning in to the 168 Podcast, a podcast from Mitchell Knight and Jordan Bird of the Clarence Church of Christ, aimed at helping you connect Sunday worship with everyday life. What's up, 168ers? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Uh, today, we're continuing our series in going over the miracles of Jesus and how they apply to our lives today, what they reveal about his character to us. And today, we are going to be discussing how Jesus walked on water, slash how Peter also walked on water through the help of Jesus. So um, I guess I'm going to hand it over to Jordan, and uh, he's going to introduce this more thoroughly to us. All right, so to start off, unless I'm skipping something here, this story, at least in the Gospels, is found in Matthew, Mark, and John. I don't think in Luke, as far as I could find or recall. Um, and each version has a little bit difference to, I guess, maybe not difference isn't the right word, as much as they highlight different things is probably the better way of putting it. And is there a particular version for you that like sticks out or maybe more recent reading? Um, so right now I'm in intro to new Testament in graduate school and we started by going through, uh, the gospels. And the first one we studied was actually Matthew and that's the one that sticks out to me because Matthew is the only gospel account of this miracle that includes the part where Peter walks on water, um, which I find interesting. And I find it interesting because I think that part of the miracle is has been really influential because with the way people talk about it in the church, people like me thought it was, oh, it was everywhere. It's, it's in all four Gospels. I would just kind of subconsciously insert that in every time I would see that. But yeah, Matthew is the only one who brings that up. So I think that's just kind of a cool little nugget. And I feel like when people talk about this miracle, I feel like they quote Matthew the most because of it, um, at least in my experience. But, yeah, I mean, that that's why it sticks out to me. Not because it's necessarily any, you know, I, I've just mentioned how it is different, but not because it's any different or it reveals anything different, but just, I think, because of how influential that edition is um, in the actual account of it. What about you? So you mentioned how a lot of people reference, or it seems to, seem to reference the Matthew version, and part of me thinks this is just more my read of how people are taking the new testament as a whole probably they're they're mashing all different accounts together with all and like you know everyone every account gives different details so they put it all together for like the full picture if you will and while that's helpful on one end for us who weren't there to get kind of the broader detail of things it also can degrade sounds like the wrong word to use here but like take away from the specific way in which either the writers of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, or Matthew, Mark, and John in this case, are utilizing this scenario of Jesus with the disciples for a storytelling purpose. It doesn't mean that the story, they're making up details, it's just they're utilizing it in the broader way in which they're putting their story of Jesus' life together. And so looking at each version definitely gives some uniqueness to what is being told about the life of Jesus and about who he is in relation to his followers and so on and so forth. And so that's, that's one thing. Anyway, you, you mentioned that, so that, that kind of stood out to me, but I would say of more recent for me uh, in my own reading, I've been reading through 
the gospel of, Ma- of Ma- Matthew, because we just talked about Matthew, the gospel of Mark. And I actually just read this passage last week, I think is when I did. And there's a couple of things that stood out to me that, I mean, I've known this story in general for a long time in my life. So it's not like a new story to me, but there were a couple of details that I was like, I don't remember that <laughs> or I've never really paid attention to that, I guess is the best way of putting it. And the uh, version in Mark, which is Mark chapter six, I was reading it and I get to the part where it talks about how, I mean, this, this whole story, at least in the gospel of Mark follows the feeding of the 5,000, I think is what it is. Um, and so you know, they have all the leftovers, the disciples get in the boat, start rowing to the other side. Jesus goes up to the mountainside to pray. And then it says that as they're out there in the middle of the lake rowing and Jesus is on land, Jesus sees that the, that the disciples are straining, uh, at trying to like row against the wind and all that. So one, I think it's just interesting that he can like, he's noticing that. And then it says shortly before dawn, or I think it's like around 3 a.m. is another translation put it. Um, Jesus goes out to them and starts walking on the lake. And it says he was about to pass by them. Or at least that's how the NIV here says it. Another translation says he intended to go on by them. And I would just like pause when I read it and I was like, so he was just going to go right on by, just keep on going. Like had no intention, it seems, at least how it's portrayed of actually stopping <laughs> even I guess if they saw him, I mean, they notice him and it changes at that moment. It, it seems. And you mentioned earlier about how like Peter is the one who's highlighted in Matthews. And I, part of me wonders if one of the similarities between the different accounts is that as much as Peter is focused on in Matthew, so he's sort of the embodiment of like all of the disciples to some degree, maybe. And I say that only because in Mark and I think in John too, the disciples as a whole are talked about, not Peter specifically, but in both of those accounts, it talks about how they're fearful, they're afraid. And ultimately in when Peter gets out of the boat and walks, there's a degree of fearfulness or something along those lines when he starts to sink, takes his eyes off Jesus. So probably wonders if there's a similarity there between the two where Peter is the personification of how the fearfulness of the disciples is talked about in the other one. So the same thing happened. It's not like it was two different things. Just it's focused, it's narrowed in and focused on a Peter maybe in, in Matthew. But anyway, I did think it was very interesting that the Jesus just, seems to like I was just gonna walk on by and, and that was it yeah I think um you know speaking of the different perspectives of the gospel authors Mark's gospel definitely portrays and I don't even mean this in like a like a really mean or judgmental way but it's it's one of his themes is about like the failures of the disciples like the disciples failing and so like I think about what you're saying about him just trying to walk past them and there are other, you know, accounts in the Gospels of him getting upset with his disciples for not being able to drive out demons, for not exercising their authority over the supernatural because he's given them authority. He expects them to be able to do these things, but he calls them a sinful, unbelieving generation. He gets upset. So I, I think you, know, I mean, you might have to read into it a little bit, but I mean, that that could be kind of what Mark's trying to bring up here. It's like, well, 
Jesus probably thinks there's no reason they should be struggling, you know, but he ends up having mercy on them and stopping to help them out anyway. Like that, that could be one way of looking into it. Um, but yeah, that's just something that came to mind, like listening to you talk about it because yeah, I mean, he expects them to drive out demons. He expects them to be able to do these things. And, um, yeah. And then likewise, you know, in Matthew, in Matthew's account of this, Peter walks on water as much as Jesus does, you know? So I don't know, maybe you just think that maybe you just thought that they could, or they should have been able to handle it. But when he saw that they couldn't, he decided to help him out. Yeah. We were talking about, um, before we started recording, we were talking about how not only in this account, but in the other passages where it talks about a similar situation when Jesus isn't walking on water, but the disciples are fighting like the wind and waves on the water, but Jesus is asleep in that situation and they go seem seemingly go get him, wake him up. And they're like, you know, how are you not like worried? Like we are here. And then Jesus calms the storm. And that's like a very, you know, they, they're like, Oh wow. Like this guy really is who he says he is. As much as this is a different situation, we were talking about before we started recording how, there is maybe a similarity in both by how the disciples or people of that time viewed the lake or water and just the unknown of like a body of water. And there's just a lot of like, I mean, even just in culture and history, there's a lot of mythology that ends up coming out of the unknown of the deep, if you will, and that kind of stuff. And yeah, some of my own study, like I've run across that, like, and that's one of the things that stands out to like, why it's such, I mean, beyond just like that Jesus can control the winds and the waves, but for that time and that, that culture, it was very much like whoever it is that controls the, the power of the, the water or the body of water, if you will, Jesus is bigger and more powerful than, than who or whatever that is. We don't think in terms of that necessarily, but we could maybe think more in terms of like Jesus is above or beyond the science of how we understand how the ocean or a lake or whatever, like how water and the deep and and ocean life or lake life or sea animals, whatever, how that functions in relation to us as human beings. And I was telling you how uh, my son was watching a show about sharks yesterday and uh, they're trying to find this one particular shark and we're trying to track it. And part of the show, they're diving in this area and they show this one diver has issues with his oxygen and stuff. And there's like, I don't feel good. I don't feel good. And it's like this, you know, dramatic scene where like they got to get the guy up. And it's like, that's in 2022. And there's still this like, it's hairy down there. I mean, as much as we have stuff that can allow people to like, do awesome things underwater, like, in a split second that could be done and over. And like, there's so much power that could just crush the life of a person with that much, you know, how all the science works with the pressure of water and all that. But, um, and then there was another part of it where they're trying to, you know, find the shark and they have this camera with like these lights on it somewhere, like who knows how far down. And like, you see, like, it's like basically dark and there's like a fish goes by or like a shark goes by. And it's like, the only way you even see that's cause there's, a man-made light down there. Otherwise, like just a, like I can't even fathom just how creepy that would be. Of like it's just that dark, and there's like these giant, you know, fish swimming by you, and or you know, swimming down there that you don't see. Um, kind of like in Nemo, where they have that they go so far down yeah. that one. <laughs> anyway, um, 
but yeah, but that's that's now. I mean, so I can I, I see the parallel with like in New Testament, you know, time when when things were written in the New Testament and the unknown of like the water and just like I mean, even I mean, it's still talked about how like I forgot what percentage of the oceans and whatnot is not even like human beings haven't even really explored like other than through technology that it can be mapped or whatever, but it's almost like space, but not space. It's still here on earth, but I don't know. Do you want to touch more on the, just the unknown of the deep? Cause I know we were talking about that before recording. Yeah. So in like old Testament times, which we would historically call ancient near Eastern history in those cultures, um, Popular pagan worship, so like Baal worship, they actually describe Baal as a god who had to fight the god of the ocean, which is like the god of chaos, like over the the formless nature of the water. He had to defeat him in order to establish his reign on earth. And there are, I think there are other faiths there that also describe something similar about how like the waters basically freak people out. They were, for them, they were always symbolic of like chaos and you know, formlessness and the unknown. Mm. Um, and that's kind of corroborated in, I think it's Genesis, Genesis nine with Noah and his stuff, um, where basically God isn't destroying the earth through the flood. He's basically returning it to its state. It was before it was put into order by him. the, The same words it uses for the flood, harken back to the formless and void that you see in Genesis one. So, and that has to go, that deals with water. The formless and void stuff is like this giant ball of water. It's chaos that's kind of unable to be tamed, but God easily tames it because he's showing himself to be the God of order. Um, So then likewise, you know, that persists into the times of the New Testament where, and like even what we're talking about today in 2022, you know, I still know people who get freaked out by you know, they don't want to go swimming in a body of water at night, even though if they, if they know it could be a swimming pool. I remember when I was a kid, like we had a, like a 11 feet deep end. And if it was dark, even though I knew there was nothing in there, it still freaked me out to like go in it. Um, but you know, Jesus being on top of that, being able to walk above it. And then, you know, with the, with another miracle of him sleeping in the boat and then waking up and calming the wind and the waves and that kind of thing, or even giving, you know, the power to Peter to be able to walk over that. He's again, symbolically showing himself um, and literally showing himself to be above the chaos of the world, to be able to bring everything into order. And um, I mean, there's even like so much poetic language that people use nowadays about, you know, the winds and the waves of our lives, like the turbulent times, like, Jesus is shown to calm all of that. He's shown to literally stand above it. And I think that's ultimately the point of the miracle is saying like, I am above what you are afraid of. I can control what brings you chaos and I can bring your life into order. And when Peter in Matthew, at least falls into the water, it's because he focuses on the turbulence, the wind and the waves, and he's not focused and fixating his eyes on Christ, who's, able to actually deliver him from that stuff, which I think is a parallel that probably all of us have experienced in some degree or another in our lives. So, so I guess those are just my thoughts on like the, the whole deepness and formless and void stuff. But, um, yeah, I think one thing I would add, maybe just from a practical thinking and maybe other avenues of our life dynamic, um, there's lots of ways this could probably be applied, but 
we don't struggle maybe necessarily with fearing like powers of the water or deep or whatever kind of a thing. Like, but how many other air avenues of our life do we, are we tempted to attribute the power of something to someone other than Jesus? And only like when it's a last resort, do we turn to him ultimately to sort of fix it or to be beyond it. Whereas the whole time he has always been beyond it. We just don't look to him for that. I mean, one of the, the most, or one of the things that comes to my mind when I think of this is just we can easily look to human leaders or politicians or whatever it may be as like they are the ones that control and and make things happen as if they are above and above beyond everything as in in we may like intellectually believe that God or or know I guess that that Jesus is beyond that, but functionally we can very much act as if he isn't. Mm-hmm. And so like, are we called to in, in relation to like this miracle in this passage to believe time and time again, that Jesus really is above and beyond the things that we think are in control of things. And so, yeah, it may not be like winds and waves and, and whatnot that, that we are tempted to be afraid of, but there may be other things that are like that in other avenues that, we can easily displace Jesus from that role. And I think one thing I've learned more and more as following Jesus is that believing in him is not a just one-time thing. That journey has a beginning, but believing who he is and who he is is a in my life is a moment by moment by moment by moment by moment by day by day. Like it's something I have to rebelieve all the time because I'm constantly being tempted to disbelieve it. And just because I intellectually know it doesn't mean that I actually like entrust my life to that actual view of, of life or entrust my life to his protection or guidance and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know if you want to add anything more to that or another thought, if you have any others. Yeah, I think, um, just kind of what we've been talking about with like the modern day parallels, just give credence to Christ saying that the words of the son of man never pass away. I mean, if he appeared to us and did some kind of similar miracle to us today, it might be in um, some kind of context of like, like, you know, maybe he's walking in outer space because we don't know what's in outer space. But at that time, it's like, this is relevant to you. But still, the principles remain the same. And, you know, I think he shows up in unique ways nowadays in the winds and the waves of our lives, which is just kind of what we're getting at. And, I mean, it's, again, kind of what you're getting at. I mean, if Peter only needed to believe in Jesus once, he probably would have made it all the way out to him on the water. But he needed to constantly be fixed on him with his gaze. And it was when he broke the gaze that things kind of literally fell apart for him. Um, so it's definitely, it's a constant process and, um, (laughs) yeah, my cat just ate it jumping onto my dryer. Um, yeah, so it's a constant process and, uh, yeah, I, I don't really have much to add to that. One thing that popped in my head with you just talking about that just now is I think a lot of times we can, we can sit in superiority of, of Peter, like. I wouldn't, well, I, would I wouldn't have doubted yeah. in that situation. Yeah. Good luck. And I think part of the, like we're called to re- believe and rebelieve all the time thing is for Peter in that instance, instance, incident, whatever instance, um, it was a new experience for him. 
so it was a new experience in which he had to learn to trust Jesus in a new way. And how often are, do we have that all the time in our life? I've never gone through this before, and i got to figure out how to trust Jesus in this thing I've never done before. We have that stuff all the time. So there is a relatable you know, parallel to that, I think, to, to our situ- the situation of our own life in that way. Anyway, that just kind of connected when you were talking yeah. about that. And I think that's helpful to, to think about and to, to draw from. Like, I think the good news here is that like we, we have the opportunity to believe the good news of who Jesus is all the time. And he's constantly there, and he's there even when the things shift and change in our life. He's there, and we can trust him in the midst of it. And he is really beyond and above all things that um, we think might be something that are beyond or, yeah, beyond or above him. And the reality is there isn't because he is where all things originate from, and he holds all things together and just, yeah, all those different things. So he's good news in that way for sure. All right, time for the 168 News Desk. Yeah. Well, this is where we need like headphones to hear the music that's actually going on. Yeah, we need a stream the... deck. <laughs> stream deck. Explosion sound. Soundboard. That's only in the morning. That's only in the morning. That's only... <laughs> um... If you know, if you know, you know. That's okay. Uh, so yeah, I I think this was your topic that you wanted to bring up that I'd be more than willing to talk about. But do you want to introduce it? So we talk about um, what's recent here on the one six eight news desk. I mean, unless you have something else, huh? it doesn't matter to me. About news, um, I mean, I guess now we're talking about the absence of news. But um, yeah, I can say it if you want. Yeah, I mean, um, I I think we're just kind of. Um, it's been interesting to us to see how all of the talk about COVID illness and death has just completely subsided, um, which I think is fair to say, like just from an objective standpoint, it has subsided. You know, now it's kind of transitioned into the whole Russia-Ukraine conflict. And then, you know, CDC announcements are kind of like secondary news and there's all this. So I don't know. I think maybe there's some kind of deep lesson in how short our attention spans are or um, maybe some other things, but um. I've more just noticed for myself that I don't know, a few weeks ago, I mean, and part of this is just, it wasn't even just a few weeks ago when things all the way, like kind of went more or less back to without having all the regulations or whatever in place. But I just noticed that like for a while there, I was, I mean, there was always something to kind of be up and up on, like whether it was from a federal level or state level, a local level, or even more specific than that for whatever organization or something you're part of. And I don't know, just the whole conversation revolving around that. I followed it. I would listen to it locally, like all that kind of stuff. Like it, I was engaged in it to that degree. And I used to listen to a lot more like, sports stuff and whatnot and like when COVID happened like when that all happened like that just like stopped for me which is I thought like because I went from like I listened to it all the time and it just like stopped and part of it's because there wasn't any sports stuff there for a while so it's like what do you talk about when there's nothing um even doing like fantasy sports I mean there just wasn't the same like engagement it wasn't the same experience there weren't people at games it was just like a very odd whatever and I just have noticed in the last like I guess month but really just last couple weeks that I have like transitioned to where like 
I'm not as curious or interested in the kind of the current event stuff. Like even the, I mean, the Russian Ukraine stuff's there, but it's, it hasn't even been to me on the same level as how COVID stuff was. Oh yeah. Um, and that's, so that's not to downplay that, but my, I, I've returned, like my interest has returned to like the less serious. I don't know. I hate to say less serious, but I don't know the, the stuff I used to follow, like that was more just like fun, I guess. And I'm still like, I mean, I'm, I'm a person who pay attention to news regardless, but I've just noticed that that has changed for me. So that's news for, for me at least in a sense, yeah. as much as it, it's a shift in how I have followed things. Um, but I've just noticed that that, that has definitely shifted and will it forever shift? I mean, maybe it'll come back. I don't know who knows, but, uh, in general, I think that's, um, that's a net positive for everybody because, uh, I think as Christians, we're probably more excited to talk about Jesus, uh, and his over, and how he has overcome sickness and death rather than talking about sickness and death constantly as if it's the end-all, be-all. Um, there's more to life than just talking about what's bad. It's like I think for Christians it's not news that we live in a fallen reality and that people can get sick and die. But at the same time, it's also depressing when it's the only thing that's talked about. But now I feel like there's just generally more of a mind mindset of positivity as we kind of move out of things and regulations go away. So, yeah. So, yeah, I've just noticed that. So it was something that came to mind to highlight for this. But, yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us for this episode of the podcast, and we'll catch you next time. See you later, 168ers.